Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. As students prepare to go back to school, the question on the minds of many student housing operators is, has a university education changed forever? Universities in the U.S. represent about 20 million students, faculty, and staff. It's almost the same as the population of Chile in South America or Romania in Europe. Those planning to reopen campus to students have different ideas on how best to do it. Duke University announced on Sunday that it would limit campus housing to mainly first-year students and sophomores, rather than bringing back juniors and seniors as well. Stanford University will alternate groups of students by class year for each 10-week academic quarter. Harvard University plans to allow mainly first-year undergraduates at the Cambridge, Massachusetts campus, and neighboring MIT is hosting mainly senior students. Cornell, where my mother went to school, currently plans to return students to the Ithaca campus with a mix of face-to-face and online classes. University of California Berkeley announced last week fall classes would begin online and said face-to-face instruction will not begin until the Bay Area's COVID-19 resurgence is reversed. The folks at High Point University, where my good friend Nito Cobain is president, they've taken a novel approach. They've decided to cancel the fall break. They're going to hold all of the final exams online and allow people to go home for U.S. Thanksgiving at the end of November. The final days of the term will be taught online and the exams will be fully online. The student housing is entirely on campus at High Point. There's no off-campus housing. This enables the High Point campus to operate like an enclosed, self-contained bubble with a minimum of interaction with the outside world. At Temple University in Philadelphia, they're going to be making changes at the individual course level. They plan a return to campus this fall. Some will be in-person classes. These are the typical traditional classroom-type setting, but they're going to take out seats in the classroom and cordon them off so that you maintain physical distance. Some areas of the buildings, not typically used as classrooms, will have been converted into physical distancing classrooms. There will be hybrid classes. These classes will blend in-person and online learning in an effort to reduce the number of students on campus or in the classrooms at once. And then finally, they're going to have a number of online classes. They will either be synchronous, same as you might be holding, say, a Zoom meeting, or asynchronous, allowing students to access the course materials at any time. The folks at Temple have also shortened the semester, and they'll be sending students home at U.S. Thanksgiving. And again, final exams will be administered remotely. I know of several students who have elected to take a year off of university. They didn't want their university experience to be compromised because of the constraints being imposed by the pandemic. There's a perception that watching a video course online is a lower value experience than an in-person experience. And if you're a student and you're expecting to pay a huge sum of money in tuition, possibly going to debt to sit at home and attend classes by video conference, it's a good chance you're going to think twice about making that investment in that way. Now, if you're in a faculty like medicine or dentistry, many of those classes simply can't be taught in an online format, and you're not likely to take a year off from medical school waiting for the pandemic to pass. The folks at UT Arlington had already transitioned 52% of the classes at the campus to an online option prior to the pandemic. They were already way ahead of the curve. They too will have a mixture of on-campus classes, hybrid classes, and fully online classes. Some of the hybrid classes will conduct the lectures fully online, but hold the labs in the lab with a smaller number of students in the lab and increasing lab times available, so they spread students out over more time slots. Now one thing is clear, attendance on campus this year will be lower than in previous years, and there will absolutely be a smaller number of foreign students on campus this year as well. 
And if you're a student housing operator or owner, you've got to be thinking about three questions. Number one, how will I get through the next academic school year? And number two, what will university life look like after the pandemic? And number three, how long will we be living with the pandemic? If there's going to be any long-term vacancy in student housing this year, how long will that monthly income be affected? Not just will you be one of the unlucky ones experiencing a vacancy, but will operators vying for a smaller student population drop prices in order to attract tenants? If you do experience a vacancy, do you have a product that can be easily readapted or repurposed for another form of market rate rental? Would a market rate rental even cover your expenses? See, student housing operators are accustomed to renting by the bedroom, and they typically get a premium over a market rate rental. Instead of getting, say, $500 a bedroom or $2,000 a month for a four-bedroom apartment, they might only get $1,300 or $1,500 a month for a market rate rental, and that's a significant impact to revenue, assuming, of course, that it rents at all. So student housing is going to go through a major shift this year. If you're invested in student housing, you want to think very carefully about the long-term viability of that asset class. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.